Welcome in to the BetUS College Football Show. It is week five, part two. That's right, the Wednesday show. Always a good time right in the middle of the week. I am your host, Gary Seegers. You can follow me on Twitter at GaryWCE. Let's go ahead and get into it. we got nine games that we're breaking down today. Let's introduce the experts, of course, on the right side of your screen. And i got to keep it rolling. We had a pretty good week last week. Hopefully we are on the right side of all of these picks. Ta-da! <laughs> we got Kyle Hunter on the right side of your screen. He is our professional award-winning handicapper. You can follow him on Twitter, at KyleHunterPicks. Uh, Kyle, how are you feeling, my friend? Good, man. Uh, yeah, I was I was figuring you were probably going to go with that one more time. Now, gotcha. if we have a bad week, we have to cut you off on that one. So, Agreed. Agreed. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Hopefully, we can keep it going. Though. Hopefully, we're saying that again next week, right? So, oh, uh, most certainly. Nine pretty good games here to talk about. Looking forward to it. Now, you are certainly correct. Uh, a lot of people in the chat noticed yesterday I did change shirts. Uh, that is because on the Tuesday show last week, I had, I think I lost two games by a combined one and a half points. Uh, had another push, et cetera. So I'll just change it up just a little bit. But as far as the Wednesday show went, you know, we want to make sure that we're good. Uh, so I, I continue the shirt. I continue the same cheesy jokes. We're going to keep it rolling so long as it works. So if it doesn't work this week, uh, yeah, we'll come in with something different next week. Y'all might see me in a tank top next week. But we'll figure all that out as we get there. On the left side of the screen, our other expert, our analyst, the numbers guy, the numerical guru, if you will, at Stats of War on Twitter, Parker Fleming. Uh, Parker, I feel like we're going to have a lot of fun today, for sure. <laughs> we absolutely are, yeah. Um, I, I just have so many thoughts about this slate of college football and uh, am excited to talk about them. And uh, there's just so many things going on with the hurricane and with the weather and everything. that It's just a, a pretty crazy weekend. But good slate of football, some fun games, and uh, glad to be back here with you guys. We hit 8,000 subscribers yesterday. Did we? Have we said that on air? That's I don't wild, think we man. did. Uh, That's we, we unbelievable to me. Yes. Oh, it's it's amazing. Uh, you know, our goal before the season was, I believe, around five. I don't know if I'm supposed to put that out there, but hey, it's just <laughs> us talking right now, right? Uh, our goal was 5,000, and we hit that by week zero. So uh, it's pretty pretty awesome. Uh, all the guys that are in the chat, et cetera, Jermaine, Heath, Mark, Max, et cetera, uh, you guys are awesome. You are what makes the show tick. We certainly appreciate you. Make sure that you go ahead and jump into the chat with any of your questions for the Q&A at the end of the show. I'll go ahead and tell you now all the different things that you need to know, the ways that you can support the show. One would be to subscribe to the channel and hit that notification bell. It's going to let you know when we go live, and I will tell you that is on Tuesdays and Wednesdays every single week during the season. It may change up a bit during bowl season, but we'll get there when we get there. we still got a long ways to go. Uh, so yes, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on YouTube, and you want to make sure that you are tuned in live, not only for us, but you guys in the chat are absolutely hilarious. Like, I, I love the conversations that are going on constantly in there, so make sure that you jump into the chat. You have to be subscribed to get into the chat, so hit that subscribe button, hit the notification bell, and of course, I'm looking now, the like button is rolling up, go ahead and hit that thumbs up button, it looks like this, down at the bottom of the screen. Go ahead and hit that little thing that helps us out tremendously, especially early in the show. Uh, tosses it out into YouTube land and puts it out in front of a whole lot more people, and that helps us out, which in turn helps you out. So, uh, with that said, there's also the podcast. If you can't join live, we understand it's okay, but we would prefer that you be here live. If you can't, you can still listen to the show uh, whenever you're working out or you're driving to work or whatever it may be, however you consume your audio products. Uh, you can get it on whatever your favorite podcast app is, Apple, Spotify, etc. It is the BetUS Football Show. That is the NFL feed and the college football feed. 
make sure that you subscribe and least, uh, leave a nice five-star review. Gentlemen, let's do a recap of what we've done thus far on the season so that everybody knows where we stand. Our betting record thus far. I'm going to tell you, overall, 45-21-1 is just uh, astronomical. 68.18% thus far against the number. I am sitting at 18-7-1. That one, of course, thanks to Arkansas doinking a field goal last week. Uh, Kyle is 12-5. Parker, 15-9. Gentlemen, we are absolutely rolling, and there is no reason why we can't go ahead and begin this process right now. Let's jump into game number one here, and it's a biggie. CBS, 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time, the Alabama Crimson Tide heading to Reynolds Razorback Stadium to take on Arkansas, and the Hogs will be calling on Saturday. 61 is the total, and the spread 17.5 in favor of Alabama. Latest line over at BetUS. Uh, gentlemen, this one is just, uh, it's, it's huge. It's huge for so many different reasons. Uh, Arkansas, already with an SEC loss, they are 1-1. One in the conference, Alabama has not played a conference game yet, uh, but Arkansas taking that loss to Texas A&M last week was a huge, huge deal. Parker, I want to start with you on this one. Uh, Arkansas is 0-3-1 against the spread after a spread loss in their last four. Uh, it was a cavalcade of mistakes last week against Texas A&M, and yet it's still, when you look at the box score, when you were watching the game, it still felt like Arkansas dominated that game. What can we take from that? to put up against Alabama this week. We know how Alabama has played on the road as of last season and so far this season when they went to Texas. Uh, how can we take what we saw last week with Arkansas and put it into this game? This was yet another game where Texas A&M had a uh, worse success rate than their opponent and they won the game, um, which is just kind of absurd talking about Arkansas outplaying them. So certainly, you know, uh, it reflected in the in the power ratings and in the numbers that on-field play-to-play success is going to be much more important than the result of this game. I will say, um, I, I think that if Arkansas hadn't doinked that field goal and had made it, this line is closer to 12 as opposed to, you know, 17, something absurd where it opened. Um I, I, I really like Alabama's um, balance. I think their offensive line is is uh, still a work in progress from last year, and their offense seems a little slow to get started, especially like earlier on on the road at that Texas game. But I think that um, there there might be some self inflicted adversity from what you see for, <laughs> with Alabama there, um, which is a convenient excuse. But I still have them at seventh in my. Uh, an opponent adjusted EPA per play. So just how they've played has been really good. Arkansas is down actually at 35th. They've had a little bit of, uh, they, they struggled a little bit um, at times this season. One thing that I'm really looking at is Arkansas's past defense has not been very good. Um, again, I'll say this a billion times on the show, but that Cincinnati game was just the perfect, perfect example of what can go wrong with Arkansas's pass defense and Cincinnati couldn't hit those passes. I have a lot more faith in Bryce Young finding open receivers, even if those receivers aren't as good as Alabama's had the last couple of years. Um, I would lean towards Arkansas. I think that they have a legitimate home field advantage. And I think that after a frustrating game against um, Missouri State and Bobby Petrino, a frustrating game against Texas A&M, Sam Pittman's the kind of coach that's going to have a team balanced, ready to go, ready to bounce back. I like them to have the advantage uh, on the offensive and defensive line in this game. I think Rocket Sanders, one of the most involved uh, players in college football, top five usage rate, is um, going to carry a lot of the load for Arkansas. 
but KJ Jefferson's having a great season. They're 21st in EPA per pass at 0.0 or 0.303. So uh, very efficient there as well. I do think that Arkansas's defense is the weakest unit on the field. So um, would slightly lean towards Arkansas being able to cover just because this total is so big. Might have taken Alabama if we could have gotten that like 11, 12 that I, that I thought it was going to hit at. And that does make sense. Uh, you bring up Rocket Sanders. You know, Kyle, let's move over to you. Alabama's defense has been uh, pretty dominant this year against the run. That's a that's a big spot in this game because if Arkansas can't get the run going, I don't know that they'll be able to get the pass going. Uh, if you can find a way to make K.J. Jefferson uncomfortable early, you can maybe coerce him into a few mistakes. Uh, how do you see this one playing out? I mean, Alabama, of course, we mentioned road woes, one and six against the spread, their last seven against winning teams. Uh, this is a, a rough spot for them because you know that Sam Pittman and those guys are going to be amped up, especially at home. This is a ranked matchup, prime spot on CBS. Uh, it looks like a massive game. How do you feel about this one, Kyle? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree that Arkansas has a good home field advantage. I think that a line this big, it's awfully hard to take Alabama. I mean, that's that's a lot of points. Alabama's a really good team. Like Gary's been saying, they really haven't played well on the road. This is a pretty tough environment. You're asking them to win by 18 points. Certainly they could. I wouldn't want to bet my money on it uh, in this spot. It is a little bit hard for me to look past Arkansas's 126th tackling grade at PFF. I mean, that's really bad. Uh, that could certainly be a big issue in this game. Alabama's passing attack hasn't been year obviously when you lose guys like Mechie and Williams that's probably going to hurt quite a bit but uh, Bryce Young's tremendous can they take advantage of a secondary without Catalan uh, probably uh, Arkansas had some pretty big trouble stopping the run as well so their defense in general is not very good uh, I think the Bama run game is a decent amount better than what they were last year uh, so you know uh, KJ Jefferson he's going to miss Burks in this one I would think uh, can Arkansas run on Alabama? I don't know. I mean, I think that's really the key matchup to this handicap here. And it's one of the main reasons I don't really want to bet on the game. It's because I'm not really sure. Bama has really stopped the run well so far this year. They haven't really faced a team that's really good at running, though. So I'd like to see what happens here in this one. Uh, Rick Neuheisel picked Arkansas to win outright. I don't know if that uh, concerns Gary or not. Uh, you know, it's just uh, one of those funny things I saw when I was making some notes here last night. But but honestly, at this price, I would lean a bit toward Arkansas, uh, thinking that Alabama's played one good team on the road, squeaked by with a win in that one. Uh, you know, I will say if Arkansas gets down early, though, I don't think that's a good uh, path to success for them because I don't see them as a team that, you know, down 14 or 21 or something like that comes back. So maybe even one that you want to live bet if Bama does take the lead and get out ahead early. No, that does certainly make sense. Uh, I will tell you, I am not nervous at all about anything that Rick Neuheisel says. Uh, as an Alabama fan, I am terrified every time this team goes on the road. Uh, but I will tell you, like there is a little bit of life. The, the wide receiver core has been a work in progress, or at least the chemistry between Young and that group. Uh, obviously, you've got Cameron Latu back as well, so the middle of the field it feels a little more of a security blanket now than it did, especially early in the season. Uh, Ja'Cory Brooks broke out last week. Treshawn Holden has kind of been the go-to guy thus far. Uh, you're, you're working Gibbs into the passing game more so than the running game. They've kind of been rolling with McClellan a little more at running back. Uh, it's a tricky spot because you're still trying to figure these teams out. Alabama, of course, did not look great against Texas. Uh, is Arkansas going to bring the same things that Texas did? The way that Texas was able to get a, at that defense for Alabama was Quinn Ewers going over the top against that defense. The secondary 
for whatever reason, was not great at just going up and defending uh, those those deep balls. For whatever reason, uh, Arkansas has not been able to fully establish that as of yet. Uh, they have to run to be able to establish the pass uh, so far that I've seen this year. Uh, I'm I'm just curious. I'm very curious. Uh, the road team in this matchup, 5-2 and two against the spread in the last seven meetings. Uh, Alabama is number three yards per rush, 1.84 allowed per carry thus far. They're number three PPA per drive defense. Uh, if Alabama can slow down Rocket Sanders and make Arkansas uncomfortable, as you said, Kyle, get a, get a lead early, find a way to go against that secondary for Arkansas, which is the biggest weakness. This this game could go either way as far as that spread is concerned. We have no official play here. My lean would be to Arkansas because we have seen how poorly Alabama has played on the road. Uh, fans seem to get into their head for whatever reason. Uh, but So the lean for me would be Arkansas because that number is so inflated. But I could absolutely see a way that Alabama wins this by three touchdowns plus, which is why I believe that we are all staying away from it. So no official play on this game. That takes us over to another ranked matchup. Let's move to the Big 12. Oklahoma State heading to Baylor. And Baylor is a two-point favorite latest line at BetUS. The total sits at 57. And this one, the total opened at 55. The opening line was Baylor by one and a half. It jumped up to two and a half in some spots. It's now been bet back down. It's at McLean Stadium in Waco, 3.30 p.m. Eastern time on Fox. Uh, this one is very interesting to me. That These two teams played twice last year. Of course, everybody that watched the, uh, the championship games last year remembers the Big 12 title game where Oklahoma State is lined up at the goal line, tries to get to the corner pylon, and the Baylor guy chases him down, right? You know, runs him out of bounds, doesn't score. Baylor wins the Big 12 title. But don't forget that these two also played in Stillwater last year, and Oklahoma State kind of dominated the game. They were just the significantly better team that night. This is, all the trends are just crazy. Oklahoma State 8-0 and against the spread on the road against winning teams in their last eight. Baylor, however, 8-1 and against the spread at home in their last nine. These are two good football teams. Uh, the favorite in this matchup, because these two have been playing for a long, long time, uh, the favorite is 16-7 and against the spread in the last 23. The under is 4-1 and in the last five matchups between the two. But Oklahoma State, uh, their defense scares me a little bit. Uh, Kyle, let's start with you on this. The defense has declined. They're number 51 in PPA per drive defense. They're number 108 in PPA per pass defense. Blake Shapin kind of showed against Iowa State last week that he – they're coming around to him. They're trusting him a little more throwing the football – he seems to have uh, more chemistry with his receivers now than he did, especially early in the season. We saw that at Baylor where they ran 13 times out of, uh, or excuse me, yeah, 13 times out of 17 plays uh, in the fourth quarter against BYU. Uh, this this is such a interesting line. Kyle, I, I look at this, I look at the total, I, I can't figure out what they think is going to happen. Do we believe that the defenses will show up for this one like they did last year? Or have both of these teams maybe taken a turn towards offense? Yeah, I think somebody's betting the over here just because Oklahoma State's playing so fast. A tempo-based uh, handicap here. Oklahoma State has really picked up their pace a lot from last year. I still don't know exactly how good Oklahoma State's defense is compared to last year. We know they're not as good as last year. Some of those garbage time stats against Central Michigan, you know, they, they skew things a bit because obviously they had that game in hand. Uh, I want to start off by saying, if you had bet on Mike Gundy's teams in every single game since 2006, 
you'd have hit at 58.1% ATS, $100 placed on them in every single game. You'd be up $2,186 just betting on his team every single game. 13.1% ROI, that ain't bad, guys. That's pretty good. Uh, you know, So if you did nothing other than just bet on Mike Gundy's team, you'd be sitting pretty here. Uh, Spencer Sanders, only two turnover-worthy plays so far this year with an ADOT of 9.7. I think that's pretty pretty impressive for him. Uh, to be fair, he hasn't really exactly played a good defense so far, so we'll see what he does in this one. Uh, Baylor's run defense is very good again this year, but they're 52nd in total QBR allowed. I don't think Baylor's secondary is going to be great this season, and they're not really giving up big plays, but they're giving up far too many successful plays. Oklahoma State's defense, I think they will still be a problem for Baylor's offense. I still don't really trust uh, Shapin that much. Uh, also, the receivers are really not very good for Baylor. A lot of drops so far this year. Uh, definitely was concerned with what I saw at the end of that game against BYU. I mean, BYU knew, knew the run was coming. They had a chance to get some throws in there, and they were just scared to throw the football. Uh, you know, maybe it changes in a game like this, but two really good coaches, a fun game, one that I'm really looking forward to. If I'm betting a side here, I'm back in Gundy's uh, Oklahoma State team. Just uh, I think they're the more uh, trustworthy team, uh, and they had plenty of time to get ready for this game. This is a Baylor team that I have too many questions about to be backing here. I, I do totally understand that. The thing that scares me about this one uh, before we get to you, Parker, Baylor number 48 strength of schedule and Oklahoma State number 131. Uh, that's when you look at opponent adjustments, et cetera, you know, I'm trying to figure out exactly what to expect from these two teams. Uh, Oklahoma State, it, it's, like I said, Spencer Sanders has been awesome thus far, number 11 in QBR in the country, uh, 10 touchdowns, one interception. But you look at what he did against Baylor last year. I mean, one touchdown, seven picks. Like, it's just. It has not worked out well for him against the Bears, even though they did get a big win at home in Stillwater last year. This time, of course, they're going to McLean. Uh, give me some thoughts on this one. It, it's worth noting that in that uh, Big 12 championship game where Spencer Sanders did throw four interceptions, Jalen Warren was out and a couple linemen were out for, for Oklahoma State as well. And so part of it, you know, injury mitigation and attrition is part of the game in college football, not to excuse that win, but – that was not Oklahoma State's offense as they wanted to run it last year and put him in a bad situation and were pressing. I don't think Baylor scored a point on a drive that didn't start in Oklahoma State territory in that Big 12 championship game. And it still came down to Oklahoma State being just inches short. So neck and neck here, um, I think when you look at these stats from this year, your opponent adjust. I have Baylor at 21st in EPA per play margin. Um uh, adjusted for opponent. Oklahoma State 45th. That's entirely being brought down by uh, some close to garbage time against Central Michigan in the second half. And I think that the numbers are underrating here. I think actually that performance against Central Michigan um, and the fact that Baylor has an extra game against FBS competition this season is the only thing preventing uh, Oklahoma State from being an outright favorite for me. So you kind of look at the run pass splits. Oklahoma State's really struggled to rush the ball in terms of efficiency. Um, but their EPA per pass has been so good. Ninth overall Baylor's defense, 75th in EPA per pass, 79th in passing success rate. So obviously you can't replace uh, Jalen Petrie uh, overnight. Same thing with Oklahoma state's defense. You can't replace Malcolm Rodriguez. Like there's going to be growing pains on both sides of these uh, defense. I think that, um, Oklahoma State's high volume passing and their efficiency downfield, the weapons they have, Spencer Sanders' athleticism is it, it kind of 
makes the the difference for me. I think that they're going to stretch Oklahoma or Baylor's defense in a way that other teams have not been able to do. Um, you saw what what BYU did. They couldn't run at all, but they were able to get those big plays when it mattered and kind of stretch the game and get in a position to win against Baylor. On the flip side, I do like what they've done with um, – Blake Shapin and kind of adjusted the game plan to ask him to do what he's good at. That's, that's always excellent. Um, but Oklahoma state has been really good against the rush 21st in EPA per rush fifth in rushing success rate on defense. Their passing defense been a little iffy, but again, a lot of that just comes from small sample size and playing central Michigan. Who's got a, you know, fine up tempo offense and really didn't, uh, capitulate once kind of the starters were out in that um, Oklahoma state central Michigan game. The other thing to note for me is, is kind of twofold. One, Baylor's offensive line has been pretty penalty um, prone, which is uncharacteristic of kind of the narrative we got about their team last year. Um, they had against uh, Albany, eight penalties, 75 yards, BYU, 14 penalties for 117 yards, Baylor versus Texas state. They had five penalties for 55 yards last week against Iowa state. It was only three for 30, but I don't know that Iowa state has the depth and variety of uh, lineman pressure that Oklahoma state's going to bring Lacey, Oliver Cobb, Ford, Kapinski, and Brock Martin all have six or more pressures on this season. So varied attack, multiple positions going to really put a lot of stress on that Baylor offensive line that has shown that they're prone to some, some penalties. If they get a little bit out of position, if they get a little tested there. So the penalties will be something to watch overall. I think this is very close. I think that Vegas is just going with, um, you know, home field advantage here and Baylor, Baylor certainly has one, but I think that Oklahoma state might be slightly underrated uh, in some of these metrics just to do some game state. So I'm going to take Oklahoma state on the road uh, to keep it, to keep it close here. If not to outright cover might sprinkle some on the money line as well with, you know, plus two and uh, and a money line pick as well. Not too shabby. We'll make it official. Parker is going to ride with Oklahoma state. Yeah. You mentioned only three penalties for Baylor last week against Iowa state. Uh, part of the reason why Matt Campbell was so fired up anytime you tuned into that game last week, you saw him just screaming at officials. Uh, it was it was crazy. Crazy to watch. We'll move ahead in this one, a fun Sunbelt matchup that is going to have uh, maybe a little weather. You got Georgia Southern, a 10-point underdog headed to Coastal Carolina. That is the latest line over at BetUS. The total sits at 60 on this one. Uh, the shots have been just... Absolutely outstanding again thus far this season. Uh, you look at what is going on in Brooks Stadium and over in Conway, South Carolina, and it looks like they are going to get some of the remnants of Hurricane Ian once it gets over there. Uh, the winds so far, uh, according to WeatherStem, looking like it's going to be around 12 miles per hour, 58% chance of scattered thunderstorms. Uh, with two good ground games, I, I kind of feel like this one could end up close. You look at what happened last year, 28-8. to eight. That Georgia Southern team that showed up last year was just a complete shell of itself. This one is completely different thus far on the season. Kyle, I want to start with you on this. At the defense for Georgia Southern obviously leaves much to be desired. Uh, Georgia Southern, as far as their offense goes, has been really good. They would love to pass, but they're actually really good running the football, number 17 in PPA per rush. Uh, but they're the number 120 rush rate in the country, around 40%. In a game like this where the weather is going on, one, we've got a total of 60 still, which has come down from 68 and a half. Uh, would you expect a lot of, you know, running, et cetera, or do you, have you seen teams that just are going to throw the football regardless of what the weather dictates? Yeah, so I was looking at the weather on multiple tabs here as we were uh, looking uh, for this game coming up, and it looks like the worst of the weather here is Friday and Friday night. 
And then Saturday, we just have a little bit of the remnants. Friday, uh, two inches of rain. And then Saturday, just kind of occasional showers and 12 miles per hour winds. So uh, if this game were being played on Friday, it'd be a lot different than on Saturday. I don't think this total will go down anymore. I think this is probably the lowest it'll it'll get. Uh, Grayson McCall expected to play in this game now. Uh, This is a a game for me where uh, Georgia Southern has been wanting to throw the ball a lot, like you said, Gary, but they actually have been good at running the football. Coastal Carolina's defense is not that good. Uh, You know, they lost a lot of guys. Uh, Grayson McCall, I mean, what can you say negative about Grayson McCall? You know, his his grading out of everything, like they said, coming into this season, uh, I remember somebody made a list of PFF quarterbacks with a 90 uh, grade or higher for two years in a row. Here's the list. And Grayson McCall was the only one on the list. So, I mean, McCall has been tremendous for a long time, even without a bunch of weapons on the outside. Uh, he's very good again. And some of the play calling and the amazing schemes that Coastal Carolina gets, they're a lot of fun to watch. I mean, what a great offensive scheme they have. Uh, I think that in this game, uh, my biggest takeaway is, to be honest, guys, I was wrong about uh, Georgia Southern in the preseason. I was too low on them. They've done a good job uh, running that offense right away. We've seen so many teams not be able to make the switch from triple option to a, a regular or a spread attack, and they've done a good job with it. Uh, Van Trees has been better than I expected. You know, As far as what I would take in this game, I, to be totally honest, I really have no lean in this one. It's It's tough for me to have much of anything here. If this was going to be major weather, I would lean to the under, but I don't think it's big enough that I want to take an under with two teams that are pretty good on offense and two defenses I don't trust. I mean, Georgia Southern's given up 5.55 yards per carry. Uh, You know, maybe you watch this one and make sure that the weather's not going to be too bad. This one's bottoms out a little bit more with uh, everybody wanting to bet unders. You know, we get to 58 or something like that. I think I'd probably lean to the over. That does make sense. I kind of lean the exact same way. Uh, Coastal, you know, great on the ground, uh, but they only ran for 1.2 yards per carry against Gardner-Webb. And it's not like Gardner-Webb has just a dominant FCS team. Uh, they're just kind of middle of the road, like, and not even necessarily very good. Uh, if we don't have the threat of the pass, I'm not sure how they fare against that Georgia Southern defense um, that, that really knows them. I mean, these two teams play regularly. Uh, Parker, let's move it over to you. I, I'm looking at this, and I... I just think that this game could end up being pretty close. Georgia Southern is 6-1 and one against the spread in their last seven games. Uh, Coastal is 0-4 against the spread against teams with a winning record in their last four in that position. Uh, how are you looking at this one? I am curious about Coastal Carolina's offense this year. I think Grayson McCall is a fine college quarterback. He's done well in that system. He's grown and matured as making quality throws. Um, I think that a lot of Coastal Carolina's offense is kind of a shock value of what the heck is going on. There's been a couple clips that have been shown where they've run interesting plays, and it's not like they're more athletic than their um, opponents necessarily. It's that their opponents are just not even close to um, the right positioning. I'm thinking about a Buffalo clip specifically where they ran the triple option, and Buffalo just didn't even look like they had lined up correctly to, to kind of counter what Coastal Carolina wanted to do. That aside, Coastal Carolina's offense, um, particularly in that Buffalo game, was a little bit worrisome. They, I mean, they they fumbled their first two drives. They uh, Their scoring drives in the first half were um, a 10-yard touchdown, a 43-yard touchdown, um, and, and then a 57-yard, I think, field goal there at the end, um, uh, maybe that they missed. So a, a, a kind of early, you know, they, they adjusted halftime pretty well, and I think that's something I'm going to watch here. But I do think Coastal's been starting a little bit slow against – 
you know, subpar competition just because that novelty factor of this offense has worn off. That being said, Georgia Southern has a very bad defense. Um, just, I mean, no, no, no ifs, ands, and buts around it. 15, uh, 115th in EPA pass, 113 in EPA rush. They can rush a little bit on offense. They're ninth in, in EPA per rush, but they are passing a whole lot. They're, they're fifth in rush rate over expected. So we'll see what the weather does to this. I would be inclined, um, uh, you know, under normal circumstances to think that this is going to get pointsy just because Georgia Southern's defense is so bad. Uh, weather, weather makes me a little bit wary of taking this. I have this at about 10 and a half um, points for Coastal Carolina. So I certainly think Coastal Carolina should be able to score enough against the poor defense. If the weather happens, I think that only, um, only benefits Georgia Southern with a low total, though. That's I, I tend to lean that way. Uh, let's go ahead and make it official for me. I'm going to take Georgia Southern to cover the 10 here. I feel like it's too many points, at whether we have a ton of weather or not. I, I think that Georgia Southern can find ways to score on this Coastal Carolina defense. They're not great in the secondary, and I do think that Georgia Southern, even with their running game, can get into that back seven and find a way to make some explosive plays happen. I, I think even if we are trading points, I still would believe that this would be closer to a one-score game than double digits. So that is the reason I'm going to ride with this. Uh, Georgia Southern wants to make a splash. Yeah, going to win at Nebraska is one thing. If you go into Conway and find a way to get a win the same way that Georgia State did last year, and I understand Grayson McCall did not play in that one, uh, but this is certainly one that Clay Helton would like to have you know, in, in his belt, in his back pocket. Uh, this seems like a spot where Coastal Carolina, you know, coming off of a big win over Georgia State, uh, on the road, they come back home. You might have some weather. You might have something crazy. I feel like Georgia Southern, with a new-look offense, can find a way to go in and uh, maybe shock these guys a little bit, find a way to keep this thing close. I don't know that they win, but I think they got a shot to. So I will certainly take the 10 with Georgia Southern there. Uh, reminder to everybody, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. If you have not done so already, that helps us out quite a bit over on a different platform, Apple, Spotify, uh, I think Amazon Music has a, spot, a podcast, et cetera. I don't even know what all they have now, but any podcast app out there, you can subscribe to the show and make sure and leave a nice review if they allow it. Uh, jump into the chat for the Q&A. I see Blake, I see Raphael, I see Frank, I see Russ, I see George, Mark, etc. You guys are fantastic. Toss your questions in. We'll jump into the Q&A at the end of the show. Uh, and anything that you are ta uh, talking about that's relevant to the topics that we're discussing, we'll, we'll probably be reading out quite a few of those as well. Uh, along with that, like the video. I mean, we're already to 132. We got way more people watching than that. But uh, the next goal, let's do 150. Let's go ahead and hit 150 right quick. And then we'll jump to 200 after that, etc. But yeah, like the video for us. Subscribe to the channel. Hit the notification bell. And let's go on and keep this thing rolling. Oh, if you haven't watched yesterday's show, go do that. Like We, we hit on a bunch of games yesterday, too. We do this twice a week, y'all. So, continuing on, let's move over to Conference USA. And I know we've been we've been given these big conferences, all this all this footage, all this whatever. But let's talk about Conference USA, where we get into the real nitty gritty. Florida Atlantic is headed to North Texas. That's right, they're going to Denton, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN Plus. This one's tricky. Uh, Florida Atlantic is a three and a half point road favorite. Latest line at BetUS. The total sits at 68 on this one. And it, this is their first meeting since 2018. So this one could be uh, very interesting for sure. Florida Atlantic 3-0 against the spread. Their last three against North Texas. Uh, the under in the last 11 matchups between these two is 8-3. and three. Now, these are two teams that look drastically different 
when we get into conference play. North Texas is 6-0 against the spread in their last six Conference USA games. Florida Atlantic is 1-5 against the spread here. Uh, you got to figure out which FAU actually shows up here. Is it the one that uh, is the number 32 offense PPA per drive? Uh, or is it, you know, the Nikosi Perry quarterback that doesn't seem like he even understands what they're running on offense, which we have seen both versions of so far this year? Uh, will the defense actually show up in this spot? North Texas, on the other side, I mean, might be fighting for Seth Luttrell's job at this point. Uh, Parker, I want to take this over to you. The defense for North Texas was expected to be pretty good, especially with the linebacker KD Davis coming back. Uh, but man, they just they have not done well at all. And now the quarterback Austin Oni uh, has six interceptions in his last three games against FBS competition. And this this feels like it could get really pointsy. Uh, but it could also just kind of go all over the place here. How do you read this one? Gary, file this one away for us to talk about this offseason. But, yeah, how many years in a row can Seth Luttrell get away with, hey, I'm I'm fighting for my life here. That's pretty That's pretty rough, man. They've had some injury luck like as well years. that's been yeah. – yeah, yeah. They've, and they've had some injury luck that's been bad as well. But they got a big win to start the season against UTEP, and you thought, hey, maybe um, – you know, maybe maybe they're looking pretty good. Maybe this defense will be a little bit better, but they've really spun their wheels since the 99th in uh, EPA per play on defense, 118th against the rush, which, man, that makes me, you know, like I can understand a G5 team being bad against the, the pass. There's some athleticism and recruiting issues there, but against the rush, that just feels like you're getting pushed around and might not have the depth of guys that you want on defense. Last year, at one point, they were playing, you know, walk-ons and corners. It was just an absolute disaster and um, looks like they might still have some personnel issues on defense. That being said, it's not like Florida Atlantic is a defensive stalwart this season, 105th in EPA per play on defense, 107th in passing success rate allowed on defense. So I think that there will be points. Um, the, the, this line I have at four and a half for Florida Atlantic, just based on the raw stats. And I'm not, I'm not touching the side on this at all. This stinks to high heaven just because Florida Atlantic has been really good against bad teams and uh, pretty awful against confident teams there. Um, so I, I think that there won't be a lot of defense here at all. I think that, um, you know, for as bad as UNT's offense is, they're still 30th in EPA per pass, 45th in passing success rate. They're pretty balanced in rush rate over expectation. They're 61st overall, so pretty balanced between run pass, um, but 40th in early downs EPA. I think there's an opportunity for them to move the ball, maybe increase their pass rate a little bit, try and exploit this Florida Atlantic defense and put some points on the board. My, my raw totals would take an over um, pretty easily here. And, um, I'm, I'm nervous about a side, though, just because the, the, the quality of competition is that, uh, vastly different for these two. I, I agree with you 100%. It, it feels like this one could be incredibly high variance because you don't know what version of either team is actually going to show up. Uh, Raphael jumped in the chat. He said, Kyle's hat trend is vicious. Can't wait to hear Kyle's opinion. <laughs> Let's go on and toss it over to him. Kyle, uh, number 112 at PPA per drive defense uh, for FAU here. I... I'm very curious how you're looking at this game. It feels pointsy. Uh, what do you think about a total of 68 here? Yeah, guys, the uh, the guys in the chat have been saying, here's Kyle's hat game. We have to back that for like the last three or four games. I think all four of them have covered. And, <laughs> and I guess I've just been sitting on the outside looking in, but uh, they're making this a thing. And then I love Andrew's comment in the chat. This is one of those sicko games. This has to be Kyle's play. I love that. So, uh, yes, this is my play. Um, two teams in the top 25 in the country in tempo. We're going to see a ton of possessions in this game. 
both teams rank in the top five uh, in plays of 20 yards or more on offense. So I'm confident we're going to see big plays on offense. The one thing that could derail this is what Gary said. We could have turnovers in a bad spot. You know, if they throw picks in the end zone or, uh, you know, in the red zone or something like that, I, I'm confident they'll move the football here. Hopefully they're efficient enough in the red zone. Uh, North Texas has 15 plays of 30 yards or more and eight plays of 40 yards or more. So some really big plays. Uh, both defenses also rank in the bottom 25 and have it created. So uh, offenses, I think we'll have success here. Both offenses have been really bad in the red zone. I think they probably regress positively uh, over the rest of the season because both of them are scoring at less than 80% in the red zone. In North Texas, only 50% touchdowns in the red zone, which is bottom 25 in the country. North Texas gave up uh, 44 points or more in three of the last four games they've played. I mean, I know that's not a terribly you know, analytical way of looking at it because crazy things can happen to get you to uh, points. But if you give up more than 44 points or 44 points or more in three out of four games, you got some major problems. And um, then they also gave up 27 to Florida A&M. I mean, that's that's not a good look either. Florida Atlantic gave up 40 points to UCF, 41 to Ohio. Uh, I, I mean, pretty good offenses, but not juggernauts by any ways. Uh, these defenses can certainly be taken advantage of. I don't view either of these offenses as tremendous when it comes to efficiency, but when you're playing at this kind of pace, uh, you know, this kind of total can be reached when you're playing against a really weak defense. So I'm going to back the over here in this one. I like it. Total of 68. We're going to make it official. Kyle is going to ride over. And that's right. Heath jumped in before you even said it. He said, Kyle's betting the over. Yeah, we're rolling with the over on it. So I, I like it. Kyle, uh, official play. Uh, I'm rooting for you. Uh, there's nothing better than rooting for points in a college football game, especially one like this where it could get crazy at any point during the ballgame. So let's hope for points over in Denton on that one. Next game on the board, an SEC game and a not both teams ranked matchup, but Texas A&M headed to Starkville to take on the Mississippi State Bulldog, the fight in Mike Leach's and State is a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home, total of 45. Those are the latest numbers at BetUS. Davis Wade Stadium is going to be rocking on this one. 4 p.m. Eastern time game on the SEC Network. Uh, Parker, we're going to start off with you on this one. A&M, while they have not been dominant in really any facet of the game whatsoever, they are 6-1 and one against the spread in their last seven against winning teams. However, they are 1-4 and four against the spread their last five on the road. Mississippi State... In their last 34 games against winning teams, they are 25-9 and nine against the spread. For whatever reason, those numbers get inflated. Now, typically, they are the underdog. In this spot, I mean, this line was two when it opened. It's up to three and a half. Uh, Anaya Smith, of course, it was announced that he is out for the season, and he was the leading receiver uh, by two times the yardage of anybody else that's on the team how are you seeing this one? How do you break this one down, knowing that Anaya Smith won't be there, knowing what we know about Jimbo Fisher's offense thus far? Yeah, I think it's really important to note that that, that Texas A&M is kind of tail of two teams this season with, with Max Johnson and without Max Johnson. For whatever reason, they um, – you know, couldn't run the offense they wanted to with with Hades King um, and, and with Max Johnson have looked a little bit better, but also have benefited from some positive variance uh, against Arkansas, a missed field goal, um, uh, an absolute fluke turnover that was, you know, 98 yards or whatever returned for a touchdown on a on a weird handoff sort of thing. So there's been some kind of um, 
some issues with, with AM's performance that, that might be a little bit more subject to contextual scrutiny than just the raw numbers. Um, losing Smith definitely hurts. Um, and, and I think that that limits a lot of what they can do. He was their, you know, most targeted receiver and, uh, one of their, one of the most involved players in college football generally. Um, the, the reason that I don't really like AM in this spot is that Mississippi state's defense has actually been a lot better against the pass. Whereas Arkansas last week struggled against the pass. Mississippi state is 20th in EPA per pass, even including a lost LSU. Um, and, and they, they've been pretty good about preventing quality possessions and AM has not really done well getting quality possessions at all. 112th in quality possession rate, whereas Mississippi state's defense is 24th. So, um, I like the Bulldogs just based on the, uh, the, the stats overall, especially because we know that high volume, uh, air raid offense second in rush rate over expected is going to really pass the ball a ton and they're going to move it. But Mississippi state's defense, I think is an underrated unit here, Texas A&M without their best option. Um, already in a limited offense, I would be inclined to lean towards Mississippi State here, um, being at home and just that combination of their their pass defense really limits what A and M can do on offense. I I tend to lean the same way that you do. Uh, now I will mention the favorite is four and one against the spread of the last five meetings. That trend certainly favors Mississippi State here. Uh, but yeah, against Arkansas, A and M only four out of ten quality drives. They had one missed field goal, uh, which. You can you can juggle back and forth whether or not that's a quality drive or not, uh, but they did have two touchdowns and one field goal. Uh, the Mississippi State defense is just better than Arkansas's. I mean, number twenty-five PPA per drive against number seventy-five. I mean, it is a vast difference what State has been able to do uh, running that three-three-five that Zach Arnett loves to do. Uh, State didn't look good against LSU, but I mean, the mistakes cost them in that ball game. The run defense is not great, but the A&M run efficiency isn't great. Uh, we know what A-Chain can do. Uh, Kyle, let's move it over to you. You know, I guess the biggest question here for Mississippi State is whether or not Will Rogers can have success against the number 18 PPA per pass defense in the country. Um, I don't know that I necessarily trust any facet of A&M's game, uh, especially going on the road here. Do you have a, a feeling on this one? I mean, uh, Anaya Smith, uh, losing him to the, to injury is a massive loss because, I mean, their offense was already weak before he was out, certainly. Uh, Johnson has been a bit better, but I, I don't think he's, you know, just a, a game changer completely. Uh, Texas A&M, a really good secondary, and I think that's going to be a fun matchup with Rodgers and Mike Leach against that secondary. I'm looking forward to watching this game, certainly. Um, A&M has a lot of shortcomings as a team. The secondary is not one of them. Uh, Texas A&M's run defense has been bad, but I don't know that Mississippi State's really the team that takes advantage of that. Uh, tempo is slower in this game than most people would expect, I think. A&M 120th in tempo and uh, Mississippi State 99th. So uh, pretty slow pace. I would have wanted to lean to the under, but guys, this one's down to 45. I mean, what a that's a low total now. I think this one was maybe 47 or something like that earlier. 45 is a key number, so if you do like the under, you probably want to bet it now in case it goes down. Texas A&M's defense has been elite in the red zone. I don't know that they can continue to be this good. Opponents three touchdowns and 12 trips into the red zone. Uh, unlikely to be able to keep that up. Seven scores of any kind in 12 trips into the red zone. You know, things like last week happening with, uh, you know, the 97-yard the touchdown, things like that. Uh, I I don't even know if this is a hot take, and I see this will probably not be loved by the people in the comments below and even some in the chat, but I think Mississippi State's defense is better than Texas A&M's on the whole. And uh, Arnett's a really good defensive coordinator. Uh, I think Mississippi State is 
underrated as a defense by a good amount by some people. A&M a great secondary. Like I said, you know, the the run defense probably won't be taken advantage of in this one. But I do think Mississippi State's defense is very quality. Gary, I want to take Mississippi State in this one, but that line moved to three and a half really scares me. That 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 hook here on this one in a game that I do think will be close. I'm just going to lean Mississippi State only here. I I will make it official for myself. I am going to ride Mississippi State. Uh, we do have Chris that jumped into the chat. Chris Chapman said uh, it was Miami against A&M. Yeah, Parker took Miami. Uh, Arkansas against A&M. Yeah, I took Arkansas last week and had a push. Uh, now it's Mississippi State against A&M. He said, all because of an App State letdown, I'll take the Aggies here. This is not anything to do with losing the game to App State. It is how the team has looked overall. Uh, point of it, yeah. Point of information. Yeah. Miami was the right side. They kicked a field goal like nine times in the. That was so yes. stupid. They just made dumb decisions. Miami was the right side there. I agree. A and M's outperformed my numbers a little bit, but uh, also, uh, Gary, I'm sure yours are the same. My numbers are blind. My numbers don't know that Texas A&M lost to App State. They know that yeah. they've done certain on the play by play basis. Yeah. So exactly. No. Um, also, Miami was the right side. I'll go down with that ship. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel the same about last week. I know I got a push, yeah. but Arkansas was the right side last week. And A&M found a way to get it done. Now, part of that is the fact that A&M does have so much talent. I understand that. But I've said this multiple times thus far this season. Mississippi State is one of the oldest and most experienced teams in FBS. You've got a home game, a big-time matchup. That home field advantage at Davis Wade Stadium is legit. I know people may not think a whole lot of Mississippi State nationally, but they are very passionate about their football, and they have a phenomenal record against Texas A&M. I mean, they just beat them last year, 26 to 22. They are six and three against the spread the last nine against Texas A&M, and five and four straight up in that time span. So, I I trust State here. I think this team is more experienced. Now you've got an A&M offense that is leaning on Max Johnson, who is still trying to learn Jimbo's offense, and two freshman wide receivers that are expected to be your leaders in that receiving core. I don't trust it. I like Mississippi State here. I bet it at two for all transparency. I still like it at three and a half. I think this ends up being about a touchdown win for Mississippi State. That home field advantage is going to come, uh, come into play here. So I, I will roll with Mississippi State to cover three and a half officially right here. That'll take us over to the West Coast. Oh, I'm so excited here. Cal is facing off against Washington State, and the Cougars are a four-point home favorite. The total sits at 53 and a half, of course, latest lines over at BetUS. Martin Stadium in Pullman, Washington, was absolutely rolling last week. This one, a 5.30 p.m. Eastern time kick on the Pac-12 network, uh, so good luck finding it on your cable dial. But Washington State won this game 21-6 last year. However, Cal is 5-2 and two against the spread in their last seven against Washington State. The dog in this series is 4-0 and oh against the spread. So Cal, of course, is the dog in this position. Washington State is perplexing. Like, Kyle, I want to start with you on this. They're number 76 in PPA per pass, but they're number 8 in passing success rate. Uh, they're number one in passing rate in FBS. I mean, they're throwing the ball nearly 70% of the time. The offense is good, and the defense is good. I mean, they're number 23 in takeaways. Uh, they're averaging about two takeaways per game. Uh, Cal is just as perplexing on the other side. Uh, they, they're normally great on defense and not good on offense. They, they've kind of flipped. Now both are just kind of average. Both of these teams, incredibly pedestrian. Kyle... When you look at the Bears and the Cougars, what are you seeing in this matchup? Yeah, Gary, I, I have same, some of the same thoughts you have. I mean, ne neither of these teams make that much sense because you, you look at the stats and you're kind of like, what exactly is this team? Having said that, 
they both have exactly the same strength of schedule, almost exactly. Uh, yards per play margin is essentially exactly the same. Uh, this game looks pretty even on surface from two teams that have uh, strange profiles, to say, to say the least. Washington State is number one in the country in defensive front seven havoc created. They're, they've been in the backfield often, 14 sacks, very aggressive defense. I like that about them. Cal is bad against the run, but the secondary is good. Uh, Will Cox coach teams have been good in the secondary for quite a while. I think they'll continue to be good in the secondary. Jackson Sermon's a really good linebacker for them. He had 15 tackles against Notre Dame there a couple weeks ago. Washington State's been really inconsistent. Uh, Cam Ward, talented, but inconsistent himself. Washington State is in a sandwich spot here. Don't love this spot for them. Oregon last week, USC next week. Wilcox, I mean, you just kind of close your eyes and you say bet the dog in every uh, Cal game. You've been really good in the past. So uh, my lean in this game is is to Cal because Wilcox 21-9-1 against the spread as an underdog, 13-5 and five against the spread as a road underdog. I think these two teams are fairly even. Um, I'm going to take the points here if I have to bet something. As far as the total, I think I kind of lean to the over. I don't think the Cal defense is as good as they've been in past years. Uh, Cal's offense has been pretty good lately. I think a pretty good improvement at quarterback over what they've had in the past few years. So I kind of think there could be some points in this game. I, I tend to agree with you. I tend to agree. Uh, the trends, by the way, kind of go both ways on this. Cal 6-1 and one against the spread on the road against winning teams. Washington State 6-1 and one against the spread in their last seven at home. They are also 8-1 and one against the spread in their last nine Pac-12 games. Uh, Parker, moving over to you, I, I would normally say that a running back like Jaden Ott would be the most uh, amazing, interesting point of this game, the one thing to watch, because he's averaging 8.27 yards per rush on the season on 56 carries. Uh, the quarterback, Plummer, has been surprising, but I think the most interesting thing to watch on Saturday in this ballgame will be the defensive scheming from both Jake Dickert and Wilcox. Uh, these two really know how to drum up defenses that can slow down opposing offenses. Uh, there's a lot of things maybe with home field that might lean towards Washington State in this one. Tell me, tell me what you're thinking. Yeah, I, I really like the defensive matchup here, which is a weird thing to say about Washington State after their run of, of Leach and Rolovich and, uh, and just kind of being – um, a little bit more chaotic. They're still pretty chaotic on offense. I'm a, I have them at uh, 22nd in EPA per play on offense. Cam Ward is uh, a, a live wire. I think, you know, showed some inconsistency in the Oregon game, but also stepped up and made a huge throw at a huge moment to get that um, close at the end. They really, they really didn't quit there. And I don't think Cal is um, as physical uh, as, as Oregon or as offensively competent. I have them at, um, 49th in offensive EPA per play, but 76th in EPA per pass, 20th in EPA per rush. So uh, 57.8 rush rate over expected. So again, teams that have, you know, schedule constant, if you're running more over bad strength of schedule, I'm actually pretty, um, pretty wary of you offensively. And I think that's true. I, I, I don't know that Cal has the rushing threat of Oregon or of Washington, uh, excuse me, of Wisconsin that Washington state has seen. And so I think that uh, despite the strength of schedule metrics being a little bit similar, I do think that Washington state has been a little bit better prepared for this. They do have the highest uh, rated unit on the, on the field in that offense with cam Ward. And um, I think that their, their, their defense has been decent at, at Ben not break. I have them at 14th in points per quality possession. So um, I, I think that Cal is um, going to score a little bit here, but, but I don't think that they'll be able to kind of, 
induce this to be any kind of shootout. So I like the home field advantage. I like the balance on offense from Washington state, 23rd in EPA per rush 40th in EPA per pass. They're, you know, passing fourth most in the country, really aggressive there. Um, Cal's been really bad on third and fourth downs um, and Washington state's been really, really good. Everything here points towards home field advantage in Pullman Cal being defense heavy, being a little bit inconsistent on offense, um, relying on that run game against inferior opponents and Washington state already facing two physical opponents and being able to scheme for them. I'm going to ride with the Cougars in Pullman um, to, to take this one with four points. I, I do like that. Washington State, by the way, number 29 in stuff rate thus far this season. And that includes Wisconsin and Oregon going up against them. So definitely a stout defensive line for sure. Let's make it official. Parker, of course, riding Washington State to cover four. Now, uh, before we continue the rest of the games, we've got three more that we got to hit. Uh, let me go on and say George, Kenneth, Dalton, uh, Raphael, Mark, Arbone, all you guys in the chat. We appreciate you. Go ahead and like that video for us. We're nearly to 200. Uh, maybe we can get to 250 by the end of this thing because we still got Q&A to go, etc. cetera. Uh, but go on and like the video. Make sure that you are subscribed if you have not already. If you subscribe, you get access to the chat, which, as you can see, is absolutely rolling each and every time out. The, the chat is, aside from us, <laughs> maybe the best thing about this show. Uh, I'll, I'll toss that out there. <laughs> but definitely get into the chat over there uh hit that notification bell it's gonna let you know when we go live that's every tuesday and wednesday if you missed yesterday's show go ahead and make sure and go watch that of course the podcast uh the bet us tv channel make sure that you go over and check that out three dog thursday will be out tomorrow uh and then of course the chat jump into the cat for uh q a at the end of the show let's go on and move over to the sec we got three games to hit let's start off with this one lsu a nine and a half point favorite on the plains at auburn the total sits at 46 Latest numbers at BetUS, Jordan-Hare Stadium, uh, maybe not rocking as much as usual. I will say that. It was a disgusting performance against Missouri last week, and they still came away with a win. This is a 7 p.m. Eastern time game on ESPN. T.J. Finley, the quarterback, questionable again. Calzada is out for the season, so it looks like it's going to be Robbie Ashford once more. He's a 57% completion percentage on the season, one touchdown, two interceptions. Auburn offense normally run, or not normally, they have run nearly 60% on the season. Uh, LSU, I don't believe thus far, is the team that you want to be one-dimensional against at all. Uh, Auburn did win this game 24-19, to but it was off the back of Bo Nick's magic down on the bayou. Uh, LSU 1-5 against the spread, their last six in Auburn. The unders are 10-1 and in Auburn, and yet we've got a total of 46. I mean, it kind of makes me a little wary. LSU is 19-9. and against the spread on the road against winning teams. Uh, yes, technically, I guess Auburn is a winning team. Uh, Auburn, by the way, in their last five home games, 0-5 against the spread. LSU offense looks to have found their footing. Uh, Kyle, I'm going to toss this over to you. Uh, Kayshawn Butte is back this week. Uh, they're number one PPA per rush on offense. Now, a lot of that has to do with Jaden Daniels and what he's been able to do on the, on the ground. Um, I mean, he, he's not a pure pocket passer, so he's been incredibly mobile, and they've found ways to to really work that out well. Um, Matt House's defense has really developed nicely. When you look at this matchup, what are you seeing from the Tigers and the Tigers here? <laughs> uh, guys, do I, I mean, do I really need to give a bunch of stats on this one? I don't think I'm going to give a bunch of stats. I'm going I'm to let Parker <laughs> give a bunch of stats. I wasn't prepared for week five to be when Kyle slips into nihilism about the Auburn Tigers. But. <laughs> right. So, so, 
So, guys, I just want to say Auburn's 0-4 against the spread so far this year, and there are absolutely teams that are good to back when they're winless against the spread. Auburn is not one of those teams that I'd be wanting to back against the spread. This situation is terrible. Um, I wouldn't want to bet somebody from the chat's money on Auburn in this game. I mean, you know, it's just uh, <laughs> this is uh, the chat's too good to us, guys. I don't want to do that too. This is true. Um, this is a team that is backed into keeping their coach, right? I mean, Missouri was, they refused to take the win last week. I mean, they had every chance to win. Just one of the most ridiculous finishes I've ever seen. Um, LSU smashed Mississippi State in the fourth quarter a couple weeks ago. I think that was an impressive showing. LSU has a lot of talent. I mean, a, a lot of talent. And I think LSU is playing hard here. I don't want to, you know, insinuate that Auburn doesn't care, but certainly not a good situation. Uh, no chance I could put Auburn uh, money on Auburn in this game. And I, I'm going to let Parker break down the stats just because, like I said, to me, Auburn is unbackable at this point. I, I tend to agree. Parker, uh, unless we get a turnover fest, I mean, this is a mismatch. It, I will take Matt House's defense against Eric Keesaw's offense any day of the week uh, and maybe eight days a week. I mean, it, this this looks like a complete and total mismatch with that LSU defensive line uh, against an Auburn team that, cannot throw it and, and now all you've got is one quarterback you've got a freshman uh that i believe is a walk-on if i'm not mistaken uh, but this the fact that this line opened at seven and it's now all the way out to nine and a half i'll tell you what terrifies me about it and that is jordan hair voodoo juju my friend i have seen more ridiculous spreads beaten by auburn in the past none of them were coached by brian harson don't get me wrong but that stadium gives me nightmares so i am staying away from it but i am curious to hear your thoughts as far as the numbers go if jimbo fisher had gone for two instead of letting the game come down to a college kicker we might be having a very different conversation about lsu this season um i think that dinged them a lot natural national perception there's obviously some learning curve but they are they're absolutely firing i have them fifth in epa Margin unadjusted, um, eighth on offense, 38th on defense. I'm absolutely fading Auburn here. Auburn looks incomprehensible. Um, hey, let uh, me uh, let me uh, jump in there before anybody in the chat catches it. You said Jimbo Fisher. You meant Brian Kelly. So I, I don't did. want to you I'm still, yes, yes. Thank you. <laughs> um, I'm going to have the same conversation about Jimbo Fisher regardless of what Brian Kelly does. But, um, <laughs> yeah, Brian Kelly. And uh, I, I think that um, also they're – Defense has been really hurt by some turnovers and like LSU's defense, 38th in, in EPA per play, but they're 129th in, in starting field position. They've really, they've really had some short fields and given up some scores because of that. I think that they're a really, really, really solid team that just was a little slow out of the gate against an opportunistic Florida State team. LSU kind of shot themselves in the foot. Uh, maybe you could argue one more time they shot themselves in the foot than Florida State did because that was a game full of mistakes. But Auburn's middle name is mistakes here. Yeah, terrible against the spread this year. 89th on offense, 56th on defense. Defense, but um, 74th in EPA per pass. I think the dual threat nature of Jaden Daniels at quarterback is just going to entirely stretch out Auburn's defense. And we we saw um, the run game was was such a problem against Penn State for Auburn. I, I just don't know um, how well they're going to be able to match up against a super mobile quarterback. Also, you know, the I, again, I hate using the Q word, but you think about the the, the the quit factor here for Auburn, especially in in such an embarrassing football game last week. Which, um, good good to get the win, I suppose. Someone had to win, but yeah, just just kind of absurd, uh, almost a parody of football. I, I really don't know how Auburn moves the ball very well here. So, absolutely fading Auburn, uh, absolutely buying into Brian Kelly and LSU here. 
Um, I'm going to take the Tigers to cover against the Tigers. Let's go on and make it official. LSU minus nine and a half. That is Parker's official play on this one. Yeah, what Matt House has done with that defense thus far, uh, even after losing Mason Smith, has been just phenomenal to watch. I mean, they are really, really good. They'll be on display again Saturday night, 6 p.m. Eastern, excuse me, 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. Moving along, the ABC primetime game of the week. We're moving to the ACC, maybe right in the middle of the remnants of this hurricane. NC State heads to Clemson, South Carolina. And look, Clemson favored by six and a half. That's the latest line over at BetUS. Total sits at 40 here. Memorial Stadium in Clemson, South Carolina has seen tropical storm type situations before. And uh, I don't know if anybody remembers the bring your own guts game from Dabo against uh, Notre Dame way back when, of course, played in a monsoon. It seemed like Uh, North Carolina state won this game 27 to 21 last year in overtime. North Carolina state is three and two against the spread in their last five against Clemson. Um, However, this is a tricky, tricky situation. I mean, the under six and one in the last seven meetings in Clemson uh, the total sits at 40. I mean, this thing opened at 46. It's dropped. It dropped all the way to 39. There's been a little bit of buyback once it got down into the 30s. Uh, this, I, I look at these two offenses. Neither one is really great at running the football. If we have a weather game here uh, with some super high variance against two really good defenses that both are definitely well-equipped to stop the run, I don't know who is able to score here. And this gets really, really tricky to me. Uh, Parker, let's let's roll over to you. If weather is okay, if if the storm moves out of there and, and Devin Leary has a chance, uh, they're number 28 in PPA per pass. If he doesn't, they're not great at running the football. Now, maybe they looked at their schedule and realized that they didn't have to do anything uh, leading up to this Clemson game because this is the first super, super test that they have had uh, however, you know, Clemson last week, we saw uh, the way to take advantage of them appears to be their secondary. I, I'm i real curious what your lean would be on this game. I'm, I think I'm uh, ready to say I'm going to put some pizza money on NC State. I've talked about this one and thought about this one a little bit this week, and I do like the context of, of low total. Maybe um, it gets pretty sloppy if neither team can can pass because of the weather and have to run because you're right, they're both pretty, pretty poor at, at rushing overall. Um, I, I do think that there's there's a couple stats that really um, get me excited about NC State covering here. Um, Clemson is 66 in early downs EPA. NC State's defense is 11 in early downs EPA. So in terms of getting the ball, you know, avoiding third down, getting the ball, staying in a positive game script, Clemson's not been very good at that. They, they've really benefited from third downs. You know, they were over 50% against Georgia Tech, just an absurd third and fourth down figure there to kind of pull away in that game. They're 13th and third and fourth down success. I think that 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 indicates to me a little bit that Clemson's offense, although they figured some stuff out, has kind of been skating by on some unsustainable third and fourth down ability there, whereas NC State's defense is a lot better uh, there. So I think that I'll, I'll pull back uh, just a little bit on Clemson's offensive optimism or optimism about Clemson's offense because that that third, fourth down success has been so um, crucial to them sustaining the ball because they've been so bad on early downs. Um, additionally, a huge split in Clemson's defense, 77th and EPA per pass, 
second in EPA per rush. When we see a huge split, we think about selection issues, right? And so their pass defense has been getting picked on a little bit, but that rush defense, I don't think is the second best run defense in the nation. NC State might be able to move the ball a little bit more than you would think against that. Um, overall, I do expect this to be close. I have this by about four and a half for Clemson. So I like a lean towards NC State here, especially if we're going to think low total. Yeah, that I, I definitely see where you're going with on this. The only issue that I would have with it is if we're getting into a game where there's weather, et cetera, and, and we need a quarterback to be able to run the ball a little bit, uh, I'm going to have to go with DJU. Kyle, let's move yeah. it over to you. Uh, I do I do like NC State in this game. I mean, they're number nine in defensive rushing success rate allowed. Um, but, man, they just they haven't shown me anything on the ground, and if it really comes into a slugfest, we know that Clemson has some of the big hog mollies on the lines. So I, I, want to, I want to find a reason, more so than what Parker told me, to bet on NC State. Uh, but I don't have one just yet because this one just feels super high variance to me. What are you seeing as far as this game goes? So I, I want to start by saying that I'm usually really good at predicting line moves, and that's one of my biggest strengths. I, I was really upset with myself on Sunday night when I wrote down lean under 46, and I didn't bet it. I don't, I don't know why I didn't bet it. And then you, you get up Monday morning, and the thing's 40. You know, I mean, it's just ridiculous <laughs> how quick they're jumping on this uh, hurricane under trend. Seriously, a few years ago, I mean, you could wait until Wednesday and, and bet the under, and you'd have been safe. But now people are really jumping out ahead of it. Uh, you know, at this point, it's really hard to take under 40. I mean, that's just such a low number. Uh, at the same time, it's hard for me to see much success from the two offenses. I mean, Clemson's offense worked against Wake Forest last year, but we talked about it last week. Uh, they were good against Wake Forest last year, and they weren't really good against anybody else. Uh, I'd like to see them have success against somebody other than Wake Forest before I think Clemson's offense is back. Uh, Clemson does run the ball pretty well. Uh, 22nd rushing play success rate. Uh, NC State, the defense is tremendous. Uh, fantastic linebackers. The secondary has been tremendous. Devin Leary and the NC State offense have not been good at all. I mean, I'm really underwhelmed by what they've done so far this year. 81st in yards per play, and that's against East Carolina and FCS team, Texas Tech and UConn. I mean, it's possible you're right that they've held some stuff back for this game, but they've had some close calls, certainly. Uh, it, it was a risky strategy if they did that, for sure. Uh, you know, I, I don't I don't see them having a lot of success on offense, but I look to the other side, and I'm not sure how Clemson's going to score a lot of points either. And you, and you sit here and you say a total of 40. I think if I had to pick a side, I would take NC State. I don't know that I love it. Uh, and this is their chance, right? They were hyped up preseason that they were the team that could top Clemson. So let's see it. Here we go. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. They feel really good about their defense. They feel really good about their quarterback. Uh, you know what, uh, Parker? I, I'll ride with you on, on a pizza money bet on this. I, I'll, I'll roll NC State here. Six and a half, especially in a game like that where it could get uh, really messy. You know, you got the remnants of that hurricane coming through in a really rainy, just ugly situation where NC State has already shown last season that they can beat Clemson. Uh, I'll ride with NC State. I mean, it feels like it could end up being way too many points there. Uh, when you start getting the field goals, blocked field goals, et cetera, uh, I do like NC State. Uh, so we don't have an official play on it because, I mean, the variance is just bananas. And, of course, anytime there's a situation like this, remember to be responsible because you never know what's going to happen in games like this. But uh, but that seems like a fun one to maybe toss, you know, a little bit of pizza money down on. So, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's lean towards NC State 
Uh, all three of us are going to lean that way, but no official play due to the variance of the weather on that one. Moving along, we've got one more game in the ACC here. Saturday, October 1st, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN3. That's right, you need the streaming service for this one. Virginia headed to Duke, Wallace Wade Stadium, and the Blue Devils are a three-point favorite, juiced at minus 115. The total sits at 49. Of course, the latest numbers over at BetUS. Virginia won this game last year 48 to nothing. And I think these two teams are on completely different paths here. Uh, yes, Virginia has looked a little bit better as of late, but man, I like what Mike Elko was doing with this defense, and and I like Duke's quarterback, Riley Leonard. Uh, Parker, let's start off with you on this one. Uh, the Virginia offensive line is number 104 in havoc rate allowed, but they're number 37 in stuff rate allowed. They've actually been able to run the ball fairly well, but man, that is not what you expected from a Brennan Armstrong quarterback-led team. How are you looking at these two teams? Virginia does have this like latent explosiveness just by having Armstrong, who we know can get the ball downfield, and having Keontae Thompson um, as you know as a football player, kind of moving around the field and everything. But it does look like that offensive line is prohibitive. I, I, I you know, Duke's Duke's EPA per pass defense is is considerably weaker than their their rushing defense, and so I would be inclined to think maybe Virginia could keep this close if they could get any kind of pass game, but their line evidently really can't block for a pass game. They're 117th in EPA per pass. So um, uh, also um, they're 30, they're 120th on third and fourth down success. So Virginia's offense is just an absolute mess. One of the biggest regressions I think we've seen, we'll, we'll see uh, of any team season to season, which is disappointing. Um, additionally, they've kind of, they've been positive in field position, 48th in starting field position, but they're 124th in points per quality possession, settling for field goals, not getting explosive plays. I think Duke's defense could absolutely smother them, even with some of the noted weaknesses in the secondary there. Um, Duke's offense, uh, 19th in raw EPA per play, 20th in passing with Riley Leonard, 38th in rushing. Really good here. Um, I have a slight lean towards Duke covering. I think it's a smart position here um pending this game i think i'm going to go into full fade virginia mode down the stretch they they look like they have just some issues that are hard to hard to overcome yeah i'm kind of in the same boat uh duke I'll, I'll tell you well here how about this kyle let's move it over to you virginia's defense both run and pass um it's not great right they just haven't been awesome at all this year i mean it's a, it's kind of a 50 50 split for what duke does uh they're very very balanced I, I look at I look at West or excuse me I look at Virginia. Um, I just I, I don't see the same stuff out of them. I mean that offensive line has been just absolutely dreadful in pass blocking, and I I just expected so many more things. When you look at them and compare it to what Mike Elko has done with Duke in one year after replacing uh, David Cutcliffe, which which way do you lean here? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Virginia, when you look at Mendenhall down to Elliott, has been just a massive downgrade. I mean, I, I think Mendenhall's a really good coach, and uh, Elliott has to turn something around here pretty quickly because it doesn't look good. Uh, if you look at their offensive line, they've been the worst, Virginia, the worst offensive line in pass blocking and power five at PFF by a lot. Like, it's not even close. Uh, I'm kind of afraid Brennan Armstrong's going to get hurt. I mean, this is this is getting out of control how quick people are getting in on him. I think Elko's a good enough defensive mind. I trust him to have Duke's defense well prepared in a game like this. And uh, 
that Virginia Syracuse game uh, was one of the ugliest football games I've ever seen. I mean, like I was, that was setting football back a long time. Uh, there were some crazy things happening in that game. Uh, Garrett Schrader tried to give Virginia the game in that one for sure. I mean, Gary, Gary has been on about Garrett Schrader being like this wild ride of a quarterback. I oh, mean, yes. just crazy. Andre Ware told the audience in that game that Schrader's an NFL quarterback. I mean, oh, wow. You know, it's just, just crazy stuff going on. Andre Ware has said a lot of things this season. Yeah, I know. I mean, uh. that, that was one, though, like I, I I was like yelling at the TV there for a minute. But <laughs> but um, I, I think, guys, that it's, it's a coaching mismatch for me. Uh, Elko has done a really good job thus far. And really, I'm, I'm super impressed with Duke's offensive line, a number 10 in PFF and run blocking grade, really good stuff. Um, the better coach, the better offensive line in a game where running should be really important. This one will be affected by, by the hurricane. It looks like, uh, you know, it says 100% chance of rain, uh, through this game. Now, you know, I've seen weather, uh, be wrong this far out before. So definitely keep, keep an eye on that one. But I think running will be very important. And Duke has a big special teams advantage that could be important in a game like this as well. So, uh, it seems crazy to be betting Duke when Virginia just blew them away last year, like you said, Gary, but I'm going to lay the short number here with Duke. We've already seen this. We've already seen this before. Virginia absolutely blew Syracuse out last year. They blew out Illinois last year, and those have completely shifted. Uh, I look at this, the key for me on this, uh, the rushing offense for Virginia has been their key. Last week in the fourth quarter, when it came down to crunch time, remember they were down 16 to nothing at the half against Syracuse. When it came to crunch time, they had 77 yards rushing in the fourth quarter against Syracuse. It was 9.6 yards per rush. They didn't trust their offensive line to pass block at all, but they trusted them enough to let them run the ball and give them a shot to come back and win that football game. They held Syracuse to 39 yards rushing in the second half. I think they had more to do with Syracuse than anything else. But if Virginia is going to try and run the football, especially in a weather game like this, you know, et cetera, we're, we're expecting 100% chance of storms as of right now. Uh, number three, in PPA per rush defense for Mike Elko's defense. I know that they gave up some yards last week to Kansas. They were still pretty effective in stopping the run against Kansas. Jalen Daniels just lit them up through the air, and it appears he's going to do that to everybody. So I really like Duke here on the side. Uh, I know it's juiced at minus 115. I don't care. I got it at two already. I mean, this thing's gone from one and a half all the way up to three. It looks like it's going to move past that key number of three. I don't think it matters. I think Duke is the significantly better team on the line of scrimmage uh, at the head coach, like you said, Kyle, and possibly even at the quarterback position. Riley Leonard is number 16 in QBR in FBS right now. Uh, they've got a good team at Duke, and I trust them at this point in the season, so I'm going to ride with the Blue Devils as well. So let's make it official. Kyle and I both riding with Duke to cover three right there. Now, whew, this is the fun part of the show. Not like the other parts aren't fun, but this is the really fun part. We get to jump into the Q&A. I'm incredibly excited about this. Before we do this, uh, we are rolling. I mean, we got 500 people watching. Uh, go ahead and hit that like button for us, if you would so kindly. If you've not subscribed, go ahead and do that. Hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell, and, of course, jump in the chat. Jump in the comments, etc. We want to know what your picks are for the week, etc. Uh, get involved with this college football community. We, we have a lot of fun here every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. All right, gentlemen, we're going to go rapid format on this. Uh, let's see. Shane Cash, can you give me a USC pick? Now, I just pulled up the line on this. Uh, Parker, 
We'll toss it over to you first. USC, 25.5-point favorites against Arizona State. I don't know what to make of Arizona State. Uh, USC, you know, obviously had to deal with some difficulties at Corvallis last week. My numbers on this are actually closer to about 20. Uh, so I, I don't know exactly what to make of it. You uh, you got a read on this one? Yes, two things. Too big of a line for me to trust USC with. Um, I, I, I'm certainly not going to bet Arizona State to cover or, or be anything resembling a confident football team. Uh, also, the, the turnover regression has to come for USC. It has to. It's lurking. It's waiting. It's around the corner. Um, and this would be a game where, where something like that could could drop and and kind of really, really stun them. So I don't have a lean here just because that line is so big, and I don't want to bet Arizona State as uh, as a dog. Uh, let's see. Bobby Ferguson jumped in and said, uh, SMU, uh, give me a read. Well, I, I will tell you, I don't believe that there is a line posted on SMU because that game has been moved to Sunday. So I I don't know what that's going to change. Um, you know what? How about this? Hit us up on Twitter. Our, our Twitter uh, names are in the description below. You can go ahead and hit us up there. Once we get a little more information, uh, I think the game is going to be at noon on Sunday, so it'll be happening while the NFL games are going on, et cetera. Uh, but there's still some things that can change with that. So let's let's keep an eye on that one. Uh, throw a dog a bone, a fantastic name. Uh, can you another USC? Can USC cover this weekend? It, we're staying away from USC. That line is inflated, way inflated. Don't touch USC. Mike Thompson, uh, what does anyone think about Kent State minus ten against Ohio? Hey Kyle, this feels like a good one for you. The Golden Flash is here, going up against the Bobcats. Uh, ten feels like it might be a little crazy, but Sean Lewis and that offense showed a lot against Georgia. Do we think that this line might be slightly inflated because of how good they looked against the Bulldogs last week? I mean, it, it looks like this line has gone up here just in the last little bit because I'm seeing 11 and a half or 12 pretty much everywhere. So um, I think I would want to bet the over here more than I'd want to bet a side. Uh, Ohio's defense has been terrible. It was, I think it was Fordham last week that put up like almost 50 points on them. And um uh, I think Kent State has played a bit slower in the non-con so far this year, but who could blame them with who they were playing? What a ridiculous schedule. Uh, I think Kent will score a lot of points here. I wouldn't trust Ohio enough to to bet on them. I, and like I say, I think I would just bet the over as long as, as, long as there's no weather issues, and I don't think there would be uh, for a Kent State game there on Saturday. Yeah, I kind of I feel the same way there. Uh, Parker F123 jumps in and said, I feel like at this point I'm a well-known PSU fanboy but I feel like the 25-and-a-half-point favorite is a bit much. Uh, what do you guys think? Well, since he posted that, it's now gone up to 26-and-a-half in favor of Penn State over Northwestern. Uh, I would say it's too many, but, man, Northwestern has looked really, really bad. Uh, that Jim O'Neill defense is just horrifying. I mean, they, they are so bad. They gave up points to Miami of Ohio last week, and that was without Gabbard at quarterback. Uh, it's... It is rough. And Northwestern has been turning the football over quite a bit lately. Uh, Parker, you got a you got a read on Penn State here. I mean, it, I don't know that they necessarily would want to just blow out Northwestern, but they may not be able to stop themselves if Northwestern just gives them the opportunity. Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with fading Northwestern here. I don't love that spot, and especially if it's climbing towards 26. Um, I've got it more in like the 24 and a half, 25 range. I think they could get there, but. Um, I mean, uh, a healthy Clifford in this team is, I, I think this is one of the biggest gaps between perception and reality of a team in, in college football, just Penn State with a healthy Clifford. We saw that 
you know, unhealthy Clifford last year and how bad it could get, but they've got, you know, Singleton and, and Allen both at running back have been very good as well. So even if Penn state, you know, kind of goes conservative and just keeps the ball on the ground, does the consistent things, doesn't let, doesn't try and beat themselves. I think they could get within striking distance of that. My numbers are a little bit too close, but this is one of the fun games where I do have Northwestern projected at 2.77 points. So a pick six or something stupid in garbage time kind of ruins this line for you. I don't see a ton of value in it. Um, I would, I would slightly, slightly lean to Penn state just because their rushing floor is so high and fading Northwestern is not a terrible idea. Uh, Penn state uh, got a big one on deck, I believe next week. So maybe, maybe a look at spot, but, uh, but I, I seriously doubt Northwestern gives you a whole lot. This, this seems like, you know, those big spreads, we've talked about it before, not not a lot of value on those. Uh, yeah. Durko Gaming jumped in. Anything, uh, anything opinion, man, grammar, 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 grammar. Uh, any opinion on the West Virginia versus Texas game? Kyle, I'll toss that one over to you. Texas uh, right now a nine-and-a-half-point favorite that's come down from ten. Uh, yeah, Texas, I mean, they were okay last week. They lost to Texas Tech. There were some crazy things that happened in that game. I believe Texas Tech was six of eight on fourth downs. Uh, this weird spot, you know, Texas, of course, uh, you would think this would be a look ahead, uh, but it was kind of the same situation with Oklahoma against Kansas State. You know, Red River is next week. What what do we see out of this one? This game, uh, I don't have any lean on the side. Uh, sounds like I'm saying the same thing I did in the Ohio and Kent State game, but I do lean to the over here. Uh, honestly, I'm usually a more of an under better long term, but uh, I like the Harrell offense for, for West Virginia. I think he's doing a good job trying with with all the pieces that he has. Texas, uh, I think offensively could do enough here. Uh, 62 is a pretty high number, and I, I'm not going to officially play that, but but that is certainly a, a lean for me is the over. That does make sense. Uh, we just hit 250 likes. That's awesome. And, uh, and we've hit a new record as far as viewership goes today. Uh, yeah, you guys are absolutely killing it. We certainly appreciate that. Let's hit a few more of these questions before we get to our best bets of the week. Uh, 82 Atlantic jumps in. I'll answer this one. No worries. Is there a legitimate concern for Georgia after their performance against Kent State, or is it a nothing burger? It is a nothing burger. That was a sleepy, sleepy Saturday where they didn't have to worry about doing anything. Just get by with a win, and you ain't got to worry about nothing. So don't even worry about that. If, Gary, if I heard that I heard that Kirby Smart made them actually call bad plays to get in negative situations so they could be better long term. That's uh, that's the narrative coming out of there. No, those games are effectively FCS games. They really shouldn't affect uh, long term uh, prognosis way, there. Yeah, find a way to deal with adversity. So if you can't find adversity against Oregon or somebody like that, well, just generate it against Kent State, who you know you can come back and beat at the end of the ball game if you need to. <laughs> Easy enough, right? Uh, Frank Diamico. In the Q&A, can you guys break down New Mexico versus UNLV? Ooh, uh, I, I, I'll tell you, I can't give you a full breakdown. Uh, UNLV was not as good last week against Utah State as I assumed that they would be. They've still got a fantastic running attack. Uh, Brumfield, the quarterback, is still really good. And, and I'll tell you, like New Mexico has looked much more impressive than I thought they would be. However, I think Ricky White, the wide receiver that came over from Michigan State, I think he could run wild in this game. Uh, Kyle Parker, either one of you got a feel on this one? I mean, have you even looked at them? I considered an under when the number was higher. Uh, now it's down to 43. It was 45 and a half. 
Uh, Rocky Long's a great defensive mind. He's doing a really good job with that New Mexico defense. New, yeah. New Mexico offense, a different story. Uh, you know, it, it's hard to bet aside here. It most certainly is. Uh, all right, Parker, how about I toss you over to this? Uh, let's see. What about Alabama first half? Um, I no, because I don't think Alabama's in a look-ahead spot. No, I think no, I think the exact opposite. Actually, I think you would want Arkansas first half because Alabama is going to pull away after halftime adjustments. I think that's I think that thinking is maybe flipped. Yeah, that that would make sense. Uh, Steve Williams, does Boise State firing their offensive coordinator and the quarterback portal jumping change this game at all for them? Uh, Boise, I believe, a six-point favorite. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, da, 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 that's on Friday. Yeah, six points over San Diego State. Uh, Kyle, you you got a read on this one? I, you and I both, if I remember correctly, we both really liked that freshman quarterback for them. And Dirk Cutter coming in as OC, I mean, he was already an analyst there. I feel like this could be an upgrade for them on offense. Uh, you, how do you feel about it? Oh, I mean, it would it would be hard to be a downgrade. I mean, they've been so bad on offense. You know, I think by default, it's kind of an upgrade. Uh, Boise State's the side that I would bet if I was betting that game. Uh, San Diego State, nothing about them inspires me on offense. So, uh, you know, this is a a side where I have to bet Boise or pass. And the total, 39. I mean, just an insanely low total, but it's hard to bet overs with San Diego State games. So, yeah, I lean Boise there. I think uh, Taylor Green is a pretty good prospect there. Most certainly. Uh, We'll do a few more here. Robert S., uh, what do you guys think about Wake Forest and Florida State? Uh, I believe we hit that in the Q&A yesterday, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Go back and watch yesterday's show. Uh, same thing for T-Wall. Do you guys think UTSA and MTSU is tough to money line? Uh, go go back and watch the Q&A segment from the Tuesday show on that one. Matthew Farmer, does Missouri have a chance to cover that huge spread? Uh, and I don't know what it's up to now. Uh, it's against Georgia this week. 28. 20, yeah, it's all the way to 28 now. Um I mean, there's a chance. I mean, Kent State covered last week, I guess. Uh, Parker, how do you feel about it? I feel like you were going to say something there. Yeah, I just um, (laughs) – just are you going to make money betting on Missouri to cover against Georgia? Like, that's not – in my mind – okay, that sounds too critical. I'm going to dial that back just a little bit. In my (laughs) mind, when I'm approaching a game and trying to handicap a game, what I'm saying is, based on the numbers and the process I have, what do I think about this matchup that's going to inspire me to say this side is a good value – based on kind of those numbers. Betting on Missouri to cover against Georgia is almost just entirely mysticism about what Georgia chooses to do in taking its foot off the gas, right? Um, I think there's nothing about your process that makes this a good bet for Missouri. So you're trying to talk yourself into Georgia in the second half, not caring, Missouri stealing something, getting a little bit close. I just personally don't think that's a smart way to necessarily approach strategy. You rarely, rarely will you see me bet something as high as 28, you know, these absurd lines, just because one pick six ruins this for you, and you're betting on, you know, the second half, what's happening in garbage time. You're not betting a good process there. So I just uh, – a question like that, it, it gets into voodoo and mysticism. I'm just not sure you're going to make money consistently trying to bet on what's going to happen in garbage time. We, we've had That's not too market. critical. I'm, I'm just no. passionate about that, but I don't mean to – I don't mean to come down good. on you. I think it's a it's, fine question, but I also think we can learn something. Yeah, no, it's, it's good to put that out there to make it uh, – to reference it maybe back to, like, stock markets. Betting on Missouri in a situation like this is investing uh, however much money you were going to bet. It's investing in penny stocks. Yeah. That's basically mm-hmm. what, it, what it is because you have no idea if it's going to hit or not. Like, there's Will no someone go on the internet, hit it, and be rich? Yes. Does that mean it's a good right. idea for you to do? No. No. <laughs> exactly. 
Uh, Gary, so can that, I piggyback on that real yeah, quick? I, I think ahead. that's a fantastic point from Parker. I mean, honestly, if you want to bet on whether they're going to let off and, and uh, Missouri could cover, I think it's You know, I mean, you, you tell yourself, well, Georgia's probably going to let off, so I'm going to go ahead and take that. And I, I think you're totally right that it's, of course you could be right, but long term, if you bet that way, you're going to lose money. So I, I think that was a fantastic point. Does make sense. Uh, Kyle, I'm going to toss this one back over to you. Uh, head honcho Bam, uh, Ohio State versus Rutgers. Any thoughts? I, I mean, same situation. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to the game. I, I hope Ohio State kicks their butt. I assume they will. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Ohio State's offense looked really good last week. Uh, I think they'll they'll get their points. But this is an insane line. I mean, I I don't have any interest in betting this game. Uh, last one, Brandon Atkins. Uh, Parker, I'm going to toss it to you. Any reason to think Michigan doesn't just pull away from Iowa? I think we hit on it a little bit yesterday, but I, I remember, I feel like I remember you saying something incredibly interesting about it, uh, about how this could be like a, a strange spot for them. Maybe I'm just making this up. Uh, how do you, Parker, how do you feel about Michigan, Iowa? Gary, I say so many things these days. It's hard for me to keep track. So um, <laughs> I think I did mention this yesterday, but I think, I think maybe you or Kyle took it. Uh, I have this at like 17 to three. Uh, Michigan, so low scoring. That also, again, uh, defensive scores, special team scores, none of that stuff goes into my projections at all. So I'm anticipating some of that. On the merits, Iowa's offense is uh, just so bad that Michigan should be able to do, you know, just have a very comfortable lead here. And JJ McCarthy's been very good with a very long average depth of target against bad competition. I think you get a, um, you know, you get some positive mojo, some chemistry, some synergy with the receivers for completing those passes in real game reps, even if it is garbage time and against bad opponents. Um, Nothing here, you know, the only thing that that you could even try and nitpick in Michigan's offense is that they're bad on third downs, but that's just because they don't face third downs a lot. So when they do face a third down, it's third and 10. So of course they're going to be worse there. Um, I think Michigan is a good process play here at 10 points. Am I going to bet against the Iowa voodoo? I don't, I don't know. I might have a little bit of pizza money on Michigan just because I really do like that offense. And Iowa's offense has just been so bad. Um, blind resume, Michigan should win this game by 12 to 13 points, right? If, uh, if, you, like, if you like Michigan here, uh, you might want to go on and grab it. It just jumped to 11. So, well, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, you're already losing value while I'm telling you that you're losing value. Yeah. Yes. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Mid, midweek in a game like this where Iowa can do so much non-offense and defense stuff to, to move the needle and then be really frustrating – uh, maybe that line gets a little bit too big for you to love. It's totally possible. Arbone in the chat jumped in and said, Michigan's my favorite play of the week. Uh, it, look, it was it was 42-3 like to three in the Big Ten Championship game last year. Uh, and I think that Iowa's offense has actually gotten worse. So, now, I don't know that Michigan is a lot better than they were. Uh, I don't think they're a whole lot worse than they were. But Iowa, their offense certainly seems worse. So, eh, take for that what you will. Uh, let's see. Let's, uh, you know what? We're going to end the Q&A. If anybody wants to ask us more questions, reach out to us on Twitter or make sure and jump into the comments. We go back to the comments afterwards, and we will go through and sort those things out and actually answer uh, just as many as we possibly can. Uh, but we're always willing to listen to what you guys have to say, and uh, we'll do our best to provide you at least some kind of an opinion on it, even if we don't have a play. So uh, with that said, let's go ahead and dive into our best bets of the week, our picks of the week Parker, let's start off with you. You got three of them for us, don't you? Yes, sir. I'm going to go with Oklahoma State uh, as a dog in Waco, Washington State to cover against Cal, four points, and LSU minus nine and a half. That's close to LSU minus whatever against Auburn this week. 
I can understand that. On my side, I'm going to roll with Georgia Southern to cover 10 on the road at Coastal Carolina. Uh, this feels like a spot with Coastal Carolina coming off of a, uh, not a beating, but a, a dominant win against Georgia State last week. And I think that Georgia Southern's new offense is going to be able to put up some points here, even in the weather. Uh, Mississippi State minus three and a half. I like them uh, at home against A&M. And I'm going to roll with Duke to cover three against Virginia. Kyle, which way are you rolling here? And I'm going to also take Florida Atlantic and North Texas over 68. I love it. Absolutely love it. All right. This is awesome. And we just uh, huge numbers that you guys are fantastic. Go ahead and like the video for us if you've not done so already. Make sure that you are subscribed to the channel. Hit that notification bell. It'll let you know when we go live. Of course, that is every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, we, we just go as long as, as we need to. It's always a good time. We cover as many games as humanly possible. Share the show out. Tell your friends about it, of course. And make sure that you jump into the comments after the live show is done. The chat was on fire today. Joe, Arbone, George, Matthew, Heath, etc. Mark, uh, you guys are awesome. You're here every week, and we certainly appreciate that. And obviously, you are spreading the word. So we appreciate you guys for doing that. Don't forget about the podcast as well. Uh, if you want to listen to us on your drive home or while you're at the gym or whatever, you can do that as well. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. Uh, I think that's going to close out today's show. So everybody, uh, this, I mean, every week it just gets better and better. I have so much fun doing this. So let's close this thing out right. For BetUS, where the game begins, God bless college football, and we'll see you all again 